Today, Texas clubs in California, Jovan Babic is coming to Texas apparently, and what's on the calendar on the TX Water Polo Podcast. James Smith, Joe Linehan, where are you, Joe? I'm in Texas. I'm in North Texas right now. So um, I actually am not going to be going out to California this uh, year for GAOs. And I'm looking forward to just kind of catching up on some things that need to be done here. Of course, I'll be following all the teams out of JOs um, via Twitter and the results online. And I'm looking forward to, t- to kind of seeing all the clubs doing, oh, yeah, just kind of doing well up there, starting with the boys and, of course, the girls get in there. So. Right. You're, you're located in Dallas. Generally, I'm located in Austin. And a lot of the people we're going to hopefully talk to down the road are all over this, this gigantic state. It takes 10 hours to get from north to south and east to west. Isn't that right? You're a native. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it is it is uh, not a small state. For example, we are trying to get some water polo going out in El Paso. And um, they're actually closer to Phoenix and, uh, and Albuquerque, where our little hotbeds of water polo. Right. Yeah, than they are to Austin or or Dallas or San Antonio. They are a lot closer to those, the, yeah, those yeah, like the other places. So um, it's just, I mean, that is always a challenge. It's just the drive around and the and the commutes. But but this is we're trying to kind of bridge the gaps and get those kind of places kind of in, in between. Get like we have waterfall going down in the Rio Grande Valley, but we also want to get it going in Corpus. Right and, and and Victoria, which are all these uh, like like so like you don't just have to go and drive and drive four or five hours to get to a tournament, but you have places around you to play as well. Four or five hours. I mean, there's uh, we're we're going to talk about Junior Olympics here in a moment, and uh, it's that's being held in Orange County and this starting this coming weekend. And just getting around in Southern California might take you maybe not four or five hours. But it could take you a couple hours just to get from, you know, Long Beach to Newport Harbor. Here, we're talking six-hour drives. I mean, this is a unique spot for the sport. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where we do have a lot of uh, local competitions. There are a lot of local leagues, a lot of local game days, um, and so if you want to play, there's places to get yeah, to play locally. Now, if you want to go to a tournament and play the teams from outside your uh, basic kind of geographic area, like the teams you know from Houston, if they want to go play the teams from Austin or uh, North Texas, they're, they're probably going to have to go to a tournament. Yeah. So yeah, and it's a and it's a four or five hour drive from Houston up 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 to North, up to North Texas, and vice versa for those teams from North Texas to go. And it takes a lot of planning and pre planning and cost for parents and athletes. And we're trying to just bridge that gap with the number of uh, local competitions to, to really breed that easy entry to get the sport. Because as you know, the like Little League soccer, uh, the mom signs up or, or the dad signs the kid up and they want to play around the corner. They don't want to drive across town, let alone drive down to Austin. Right. So, and that's just, it's just building all these all, all these different uh, conduits just it's it's not just within the like the realm of USA Warpole and the Southwest Zone, but it's also, you know, just kind of building those kind of feeder systems at, at the club level as well. Right. And that and that's who you're talking about. You said we are trying to grow and what you really mean is you have a position that's associated with USA water polo. It's uh it's it, your job is essentially to grow the sport. And it might even Correct. go beyond the state of Texas, but that's the idea is to get Correct. more 
players, more teams, more competition going on in the state of Texas. Yeah, because everybody's a little different. Kind of what, yeah, kind of what works in Austin is not going to work in Houston, and and what is, and it may not work in in North Texas. So, and even even within North Texas, you know, kind of what works for Pegasus isn't going to work for Thunder, isn't going to work for Rockwall. Right. So you're, yeah. So it's so it's constantly working with these different clubs to kind of see what works with them, and kind of and, and, and kind of talk to them, and as they become a like, like as the clubs become. Um, and they're around a lot more, and they're and 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 they're doing their feeder systems. You know, then we have to step to the next new club that's around. Right. So, and it's and it's been it's very good to have these strong anchor clubs in each of the areas because then that means that we can then grow from there. In I mean, there's still growth in the North Texas area. There's still growth potential down in uh, the like the Houston area in little pockets. Just to give you an idea, like the whole Katy area, the Sugarland area. That's almost a little untouched down in Houston, but it's also just a manpower thing and and there's only there's only so much time in the day and the week for the coaches and the clubs, yeah, to get there. And and um and this is and this is just a challenge. It's just the education and get the word out there to tell the clubs, teams, athletes, the people that want to play, et cetera. So. All right. Well, one one way, presumably, that they can grow is to compete at Junior Olympics, and that's coming up this weekend, starting on Friday. I think that's right. Neither one of us are going this year, which is uh, fine. We have different priorities, but um, the first round games have all been published. But this past weekend, two teams in particular were out in Riverside competing at the at the Riverside area. Forgive me, Inland Empire, but um, in that area, com- competing at the Hale tournament and. Just a couple of outcomes that were um, very encouraging to me. You tell me what you think. But Viper Pigeon 18 and under boys played in the Division I uh, bracket of that tournament. They went 4-1. and one. Their only loss was to Shores. They placed 7th out of... And listen to the teams that came 8th came and ninth. So Bakersfield, Westside, Raider, Pacific, Chop, Foothill, SoCal, Chop, 805. I mean, these are real teams. So... Um, it's, it's been interesting to watch a team like them go to California and surprise some people. I heard um, stories that there were, <laughs> once again, there were people like, well, who are you guys? Um, that's, that's a common theme when Texas teams head out there. Well, I think that's a common theme. It's not just Texas teams, but teams from Chicago, the Northeast, the Southeast as well. But um, as far as Texas, yeah, specific, the Viper Pigeons have a very good eight, yeah, like 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 eighteen hundred boys and sixteen hundred boys team, and I know the team that went out there was kind of a combination of them, and I'm not surprised that they did very well. They are very the the other sound they're the other sound fundamentally. A lot of these teams don't see them except for at JOs, yeah, exactly, or in, or, or in this case at the Hale tournament a week prior to JOs, right, and um and. They have a very good coach staff. They practice throughout the year, and they play as much as anybody plays here. So I'm not really surprised that they're going out there and being successful. I'm like, like every year the results at the national at the national junior Olympics is teams are like our teams that are representing our um, zone are going out there and doing better and better. And, and it's not just the top team. It's also the second, third, fourth team are doing better than they did the year before. Well, that's a good segue because the other team I want to focus on, and uh, of course, full disclosure, because I'm, I'm associated with most of these teams as you are in some way or another, but Longhorn went out there with their 18 and under team, which has got boys team, which has gotten much better over the past couple of years. They were put in the Division Two bracket at this tournament, and they placed second. They lost to Corona Del Mar in the final game, six to five, and beat teams like 
Um, they beat Infinity. They beat Chop. Again, a very good result. A team from Admiral. I can't remember where Admiral's from, but a very decent team and did quite well. And once again, I think the uh, coach Tom Andrews spoke to me yesterday and said that uh, you know there were there were people who were surprised that you know who are these guys and who are the guys with a big Longhorn on their on their uh, caps. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's just, I mean. I've spoken to coaches that are from Northern California that have kind of gone down to Southern California and they talk about, Oh my God, the bubble of Southern California. <laughs> and Oh my God, I mean, I didn't realize it. And they are from Northern California. Okay. And then I just go to them. I go, imagine how you feel. It's about a thousand times worse being outside of California. Right. So there is a little bit of, they don't get outside their neighborhood very often. Like you don't get these teams to travel to other areas of the country very often. So, you know, uh, they might see Longhorn once a year, and they might, and they might think about, oh my God, kind of who's this team every year, and oh, whether it's uh, Viper Pigeons or Longhorn or Thunder or Pegasus um, or Southside, there are plenty of teams that are going to go out there and make a difference up like uh, like uh, next week, and I'm excited to see the results. I'm excited here, but this is what I've always told people: the best water polo in our country on the youth level is in California. The worst water polo on the youth level is in California and everything in between. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, there's very good water polo out there, but there's also very bad water polo. And there's a lot of very good people in Texas that are putting out lots of effort coaching. There, and, it's, and, and it's not like they're just coaching the same way uh, like, you know, they were five years ago or ten years ago. They're getting better each and every year, and they're bringing that – yeah, to their athletes, the type of training, the type of nutrition, the type of how they set up their clubs and uh, and and kind of giving and providing a lot more games and opportunities to get to play and get better. And then, of course, you know, teams are teams constantly are trying to improve as far as, you know, kind of getting the grassroots level, which just then creates the better athlete that's coming to the sport. It might be better now than it was five years ago and 10 years ago, right. which, is, which is which is only going to help us get better. And there have been teams that have gone out to JOs and played in the platinum division every year. Yep. From our zone. I mean, there have been teams way back in the day that would go out to JOs. This is before they had platinum and gold. This is when they only had 48, yeah, 18 our boys teams. And they played and they placed in the top 10 or top 12 for boys or girls. So, I mean, there there has been lots lots of success it's just becoming there's more clubs now that are going out there. Right. Well, it seems like they're both of those clubs, Viper Pigeon Longhorn, are there to do some training as well. And uh, you mentioned high-level coaching. Well, it's possible, according to some speculation, that Texas is going to host one, a world-class coach. And at least that's what one writer says. And we'll talk about that next. Back with the TX Water Polo Podcast. James Smith, Joe Linehan. Um, one of the most entertaining pieces of, of uh, journalism that I've read in a while is... Uh, Michael Randazzo is probably the premier writer on water polo in the country at this point. He's got a contract with Swimming World magazine, and he's been covering in detail. Um, I wouldn't say mostly, but uh, he does definitely focus on the East Coast. He's a, a, a Brooklyn guy. Um, well, and I think he's a fan of Jovan Vavich. And Vavich, for those who have been living under a rock, was fired from his job at USC, accused of being part of a, a larger... Um, scandal with recruiting and uh, has pled not guilty to an, an actual indictment. Well, 
Rondazzo has a solution for him, which is that uh, maybe USA Water Polo can help him move to Texas. And, and, and as a matter of fact, as he says, maybe take over the club team at UT, University of Texas at Austin, and then bring them to varsity status. Uh, what are the chances of that happening, Joe? Uh, I think that's probably very slim to none. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things. I did say that we have a lot of very good coaches in the Southwest Zone, but we can always use as many coaches and like kind of out there. I mean, we never have enough coaches, sure, but is Yovan going to come here? I would highly doubt that. I haven't heard anything about that. I think the like the article was more speculation than anything else, and really just tried to kind of yeah, just kind of illustrate. Like the growth of the sport in Texas, and how and how having something like uh, like a University of Texas add to sport, it yeah it would be good. Um, and right now we did add Austin College this yeah, this last year, and they played their um, their inaugural season for, for yeah for both boys and girls, and they did a great job. Um, Coach Mark Lawrence did a great job, and I mean there are some challenges to it, but there are a lot of schools that are that are here locally in Texas that are looking to add the sport well, and possibly adding it and that's at the division three level and and there might be some smaller division two schools that are that are looking to do it but it's not going to be necessarily like the easier of the world yet. yeah well let's talk about that that's actually because there's some misconceptions and there's a what i can speak i think a little more directly about some of this stuff the, my understanding is that there's zero chance of this happening at a place like ut i know for a fact that usa water polo sent a letter to them a couple of years ago it was essentially telling you know laying out all the reasons why water polo could actually work at ut and and i think they received a single paragraph response that essentially said Hey, thanks for your letter. We won't be having water polo, and there's there's not a great deal of incentive for them to have water polo. It doesn't make it, it from my perspective. It doesn't make any sense. But the question is, and a lot of people talk about how this is fertile ground for college water polo. Well, how is that going to work? And you have some ideas. I have some ideas about it. But it's it's not going to be, in my opinion, through UT. It's not going to be A and M. So how will it go if it goes? It'll be added through Division Three schools first. That's what Austin College is starting. A lot of the, a lot of the, the Division Three schools out there are are kind of seeing how Austin College does, and Austin College had very good, successful first year, and that was only and that's only helped with the discussions. And um, one of the primary reasons that Austin College added the sport in the first place, and this is not just true in Division Three schools in Texas, but throughout the country, right. there is there is a drop in applications. Right, and want to go to school there, and that was what they were like. This is, they were they were looking to add a sport, either golf or water polo, and then they went through the they went through like their process of kind of looking at different sports, and um, and water polo was going to be bringing in the most athletes of any potential other new sport, which yeah yeah yeah, which meant uh, more revenue, kind of kind of from the school, which then. It would it, it would just it, it, it would have the farthest reaches out there, right. and and it would have the most recruits year in and year out. And I, I know I've lived in I've lived in Texas, you know, for the most yeah for most of my life, and I didn't know where Austin College was until no. they had waterfall. No, I was wondering why I, I hadn't heard of the the school. I live in Austin. I was like, what, do they mean Austin Community College or what's going on? So yeah, I was clueless about it as well. So in my mind, yeah, uh, they picked a sport that. You know, now Austin College is known throughout the water polo world 
from the Northeast to Southeast to Southern California to Washington. And there are kids that are looking to come to Texas to play varsity in, 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 in to play water polo. And I do feel within the next couple of years, there's going to be a couple other schools that add. And it's not just, it's not just, okay, we're going to add next year. Yeah, let's go. These schools are going to do studies and see how it's going to affect their admissions and see how it's going to affect their bottom lines. And then they're going to decide, okay, yes, this is, this is, uh, now we're going to add water polo. Well, first they're going to have to add a coach or, or they're going to have to develop budgets and how, and how, and how, and how are we going to pay for this? And then they're going to have to hire coaches and then they're going to have to, and that coach is kind of is uh, normally going to be hired a full year before they even start playing because they have to recruit athletes. So you're, so you're talking about. Once they decide that they want to do a sport, it's still another two, three-year process before they even play. So it is a longer process here. And then eventually, and I'm saying eventually, down the road, if we get a lot of Division three schools playing, then we get a lot of Division two schools playing, then, then, and then we get some smaller Division one schools playing. And then at the same time, we keep growing the high school and clubs you know, throughout, yeah, yeah, throughout the state. Then I think a University of Texas or Texas or Texas – a&M, they might look into it. So, 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 so Joe, can you tell us the next schools in the state of Texas that are going to have a program? Probably not. No. So I, I have a, the rumors are, and this is only a rumor because I don't have any information about this at all, is that actually Southwestern, which is in Georgetown, just north of Austin, is is uh, could possibly be interested in it. That would actually be a a good place. I've got a good pool, a successful swim program, if that matters yeah. or not. I mean, and, and those, are, and those are the type of schools that were uh, that were actually going out and talking to their athletic athletic directors, their associate athletic directors. And it's, uh, again, it's not necessarily on our timeline. It's going to be on their timeline. Certainly. What about a place like like Rice? I mean, they what that's touted as sort of the Stanford of Texas, and so that. The culture is open to having new sports like water polo. Um, well, I think you... Rice has gone through a transition. Um, they used to be part of the old Southwest Conference with A and M and UT, and um, and all the and then U of H and such. And they used to try to and they have a huge football stadium there. They even hosted a Super Bowl way back in the day. Um, and they have about fifteen to sixteen sports that they play, but they were trying to use the model and try to keep up with the Longhorns and Aggies, and that wasn't the best thing in the world for them. They, I believe, in the last in the last few years, they've gotten some different athletic directors in that kind of see themselves more as kind of what you just mentioned, the Stanford or the Harvards of the South. And if you look at Stanford and Harvard, they have 30 to 35 sports that they sponsor. Yeah. Um, and I think that rights will be moving to that in the next couple of years, but again, it's, it's, it's a very slow process. And our hope is, yeah, is maybe that they might consider water polo. And, um, and I think that would be a natural down there because, you know, the majority of the water polo being played in our state is in Houston still right now. That so. would be phenomenal. All right. Well, we're going to come back and uh, wrap things up, talk about a few things on the calendar and, uh, we'll be right back after that. Back with the TX water polo podcast, wrapping things up. Um, waiting for Yovan to arrive, but um, what's left on the calendar for this year? Then I know there's a, something, there's an announcement coming, is that right? Yeah, if you're waiting for Yovan to arrive, you're going to be waiting a long time, James. Yeah. But, no. uh, but, I, um, I, yeah. I have room for him to stay if he really needs to, although, again, Rondazzo suggests that maybe uh, USA Water Polo could foot the bill for his relocation, so... Uh, 
let's just let's just see what happens with his court case first. <laughs> uh, and that is uh, the priority. Yeah, exactly. So, but um, as far as Southwest Zone is concerned, we do have um, uh, this week. I'll be sending out the Southwest Zone calendar to everybody um, for 2020. Um, also, some little small additions and, and subtractions for the fall and winter calendar. For those that don't know, the Southwest Zone is one of 11 zones of USA water polo. The Southwest Zone is made up of Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Oh, I thought it was only Texas. No, it was not only Texas. It is pretty much only Texas. There's not much. There's a little bit of uh, water polo in each of those areas, but um, it's primarily Texas. But no, uh, I knew that for the record. I'm I'm well aware of that, just so that people don't think that I'm you know that clear. Sure. But um, so and then there is a zone board that is elected every uh, every couple of years, of which they also pick a zone chair that that kind of represents the zone at national meetings, etc. So the Southwest Zone, yeah, they do have elected representation within USA Warpool, and USA Warpool is the national governing body of of the sport, and uh, kind of yeah, just deemed by the uh, like the U.S. Olympic Committee, and U.S. Warpool is a nonprofit, so there is that like there are things that the membership has to do through the zones every every couple of years for um, like the bylaws and yeah and, and such, but. As far as the calendars coming out, um, every year we grow and we become closer to California than we uh, were the year before. And that's what we've been trying to do is have as much water polo as possible so clubs can play as much, so athletes can play as much. And I'm not, again, I'm not just talking about the weekend tournaments that that, that the clubs from all like all over the state play, but it's also the local leagues, yeah. the, you know, like the intra club leagues yep. um, or the for all the development, and and then we also put on the calendar. We also put on the CWPA, which is our uh, local collegiate club, uh, like kind of game dish. Yeah, for both the men and women. Um, we also put on the major high school events, uh, the ODP trainings, the, the camps. Yeah, that happens. So it's not just U.S. water polo events. It's also anything that's going on in the zone because we're we want to grow the sport. It's not just at the U.S. water polo level. It's also at the high school level. We want to, of course, we want everybody to eventually become USA Water Polo because that just means that they're going to be taking advantage of all the opportunities that are out there. But um, it's just the more water polo there is, it's going to be better for everybody across the board. All right. Well, thank you, Joe. That wraps things up. Um, one thing to focus on is we want to hear from you. Like if we're not, uh, if we're not covering subjects that you think should be, if you have questions for somebody who's, who's uh, knee deep in the sport throughout the country, we'll be able to hopefully provide some kind of answer. And you can reach us at pod at txwaterpolo.com. Find us on Twitter at txwaterpolo, Facebook, txwaterpolo, Instagram, tx underscore waterpolo, and of course on the web at txwaterpolo.com. I want to thank our host, Red Circle, and thank you for listening, and I hope you tell a friend about the TX Water Polo Podcast. We'll see you next week. And good luck to all those teams out of chairs. Closer.